0: Hello and welcome to episode number 11 of Prosperity by the Pint. I'm your host, Bryce Carter, self-proclaimed millennial money expert. I've earned the CFP credentials, charter financial consultant as well, and I'm a certified investment management analyst. This is a podcast where we talk about money, investing, business, and life success, all while having a cold beer. This episode, we will be talking about Investing 101. Mutual funds and ETFs. This is a follow-up to episode number six, Investing 101 Stocks. So I have to say for we forgot to celebrate something with my podcast team is that the average finance related podcast only lasts nine episodes. And here we are at episode number eleven. So my team is my team is here. So round of applause. Uh, it's not possible without them. So shout out. Thank you, Ali, and everybody else that helps. So this week I am drinking from Wild Leap Brewing Company, which is out of Georgia somewhere, uh, Lagrange, Lagrange, Georgia. Uh, Wild Leap Brewing Company Alpha Abstraction Double IPA. It's a eight percent Double IPA. It's got a it's got a uh, a buffalo on it, which is weird. But I have my Surf Wyoming shirt, which has a buffalo on it, so it goes together. So the Alpha Destruction IPA. Let's try this. Ooh, it's got a lot of things going on. It's it's a uh, it's an IPA, but it's so it's hoppy, but I don't know a little bit of fruit in there too, maybe grapefruit. Uh, really good, I like it. I don't like that it's not clear. I like my beers to be clear. I don't know what's in there, you know. So, like I said, this is an episode to this is a you know a follow up to episode six, which was all about stock investing. So if you haven't listened to that episode, you should go back and listen to it. But here's the four one one on that is if you're listening to this, you are not a day trader you are not smarter than the market. You probably should not own or be buying or investing your future in individual stocks. Now, if you want to have a small subset of money for playing, that's okay. But when it comes to investing for your long-term future, you are not a day trader. You're not smarter than the market. Don't do it. So here's our alternative, mutual funds and ETFs. So I want to talk a little bit first, I guess uh, I'm going to talk about mutual funds first and I'll get into ETFs. Like what is a mutual fund, okay? And and a lot of people are confused about this. So a mutual fund is an investment vehicle that essentially pools your money, which with a bunch of other people's money, in order to get broader diversification. For example, let's say you have $1,000 to start investing and you happen to like, I don't know, tech companies, you know, they always say you should buy what you, what you know. And if you maybe know and like tech, that's fine. So you want to buy Amazon or Google. Well, guess what? A share of Amazon as, and a share of Google, both of them are over $1,000 as of the filming of this episode. So you can't even buy one share of those two companies with your $1,000. So if you're investing in a mutual fund, let's say you bought a mutual fund that invests in tech companies specifically, You could own Amazon and Facebook and Google and Apple and dozens of other technology companies and be very well diversified in that area with a small, relatively small investment. So a mutual fund is an investment vehicle that pools your money together with a bunch of other people's money so smaller investors can get diversification. So fun fact, the first modern day mutual fund was launched in 1924 um, by what is now known as MFS Investment Management. It's still a huge mutual fund company. Um, and it was launched in 1924. And following that, the launch of that, I mean, it was not long after that you had the Great Depression. And uh, this this particular mutual fund company and, and several others started launching them all through 1924 and 1925. And and they were really growing, but a lot of them have have since closed, as you can imagine, so almost a hundred years now we've we've seen modern day mutual funds at work, and they've worked well for a lot of people during that time frame so the way that a mutual fund works, how you buy one beer break this is good it is a dirty beer, but it's good by dirty i mean small also fun fact i i uh I do a little brewing myself and if you can't see through it, I usually don't drink it. But you never know when it's in a can. But still, I, these were sent to me by a friend uh, that lives in Georgia. So thank you, JT, if you're listening. Um, so when, when we're looking at mutual funds and how they trade, so stocks, you, when you buy a stock, you're typically buying it from another investor on an exchange or uh, from from uh, on a brokerage you know, type of platform where investors are literally trading shares or trading money for shares. A mutual fund works a little bit differently. So shares are issued and redeemed from typically the mutual fund company. Sometimes it can be a brokerage. So shares are issued and redeemed. Now what that means is that there's a value to each share. That is because these companies aren't one single company, right? So a mutual fund company owns, it could own thousands of other companies and it owns tens of thousands of shares of perhaps some of these companies so every single day at the end of close of business the value of all the companies that a mutual fund owns is added up and divided by the number of shares so that's where you get what's called the share price or that NAV net asset value so you buy and uh, when you buy a fund you're buying it from the mutual fund uh, company and when you sell it you're redeeming that share to them so then they exchange your share for some cash so they don't trade in the middle of the day. You don't you don't know whether a mutual fund is up or down in a given day until the close of business. Typically 6 p.m. is when it's calculated. So with a mutual fund, the big advantage is the broader diversification. One downside is that you don't know whether it's up or down in a given day. Now, if the whole market's up, odds are you're up, but you don't know exactly what that looks like. <clears throat> so there's two basic types of strategies with mutual funds. And it gets more complicated than this, but there's two basic types of uh, mutual funds, I would say. There is passive funds and there's active funds. So an active fund is a fund that says, okay, uh, my category, let's just call it large cap U.S. companies, which is just large U.S. companies, we're going to try and find the best U.S. large companies, the ones that are going to have the best stock performance, right? So you're paying that active manager, if there's a thousand U.S. large companies, to only buy maybe 350 of them that they think the stock performance is going to work, going to be the best for you, and they charge a premium price for that, for that work, that research, all all those things that they're they're doing to try and beat their benchmark. A passive fund just says, screw it, we're going to buy all thousand companies and we're going to hold them according to their size or according to an algorithm, okay? So passive fund just buys the market blindly. It's called the haystack strategy. That's what I call it anyways. So you're not trying to find the needle in the haystack. You just say, screw it, let's buy the whole damn haystack, right? Whereas a more active strategy might say, well, we're going to take this corner of the haystack and this corner of the haystack and this corner of the haystack because we think the needle's in there somewhere, Right. So that's the difference. So you pay a little bit of a premium on the active funds for them to try and beat the market for you. The passive funds are much less expensive. And the fun thing is, I don't know about it necessarily fun, but the interesting thing is that depending on whose research you listen to, only 10 to 20 percent of active funds actually beat their benchmark. So you're paying additional fees in order to lose to the benchmark. Then that would be that that's what it, that works out to be is you're paying them an additional fee. And if they're not beating the benchmark, That means they're losing to it, right? So you're paying extra fees in order for them to beat the benchmark. Now, I don't think all in uh, all active funds are bad. I just think you got to be very conscientious of the fact, you know, ten to twenty percent. So if we're looking at, let's say, the U.S. large cap space. By the way, there's about eight thousand mutual funds, so there's a lot to choose from. That's according to Morningstar. There's about eight thousand mutual funds. Maybe a thousand of them invest specifically in U.S. large cap companies. So if we're talking 10 to 20%, that's 100 to 200 fund companies that are statistically better than the others. That's enough to pick from, right? Most people shouldn't be trying to play that game, in my opinion. So of the passive funds, you can save on fees a little bit and you just buy the whole damn market. Now, a mutual fund usually, in addition to either being active or passive, is either a stock mutual fund or a bond mutual fund. There is balanced ones that own a little bit of both. What that works out to be is a stock one says, you know, we're going to buy all large cap U.S. stocks or mid cap or emerging market or whatever. A bond mutual fund is just going to buy bonds. So they're going to buy maybe government bonds or corporate bonds. So you're picking between active and passive. You're also picking between stocks and bonds. And and what you're looking at here is a scenario where we're essentially building out a asset allocation. So as I say this, I'm really thinking I'm probably going to need to do an episode on asset allocation and what that is because I'm laying some foundational work here on why you shouldn't probably be investing in individual stocks with your life savings, but you probably should be using mutual funds or ETFs. But how do you go about picking those mutual funds and ETFs? So I'm curious if there's some interest on that topic of building an asset allocation. Shoot me a message on the Facebook page if if that's something that you are interested in hearing about. So, uh, and that's prosperity by the pint, by the way, if you don't have that already. So you have passive active, you have stocks or bond mutual funds, and then some get really granular in a sector. Like I mentioned, you can have a mutual fund that specializes in, in technology or industrials or uh, aerospace. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff out there. So there's a lot of different really things to, 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 to think about. Now, for most of us investors, you know, most people that I see investing in, in mutual funds are looking at it through their 401k, which you're you working with a pretty short list there typically. So what I want to say with that is that you, it's very important to make sure you know what the cost that you're buying, the cost of the fund, and also what it's actually investing in and make sure your risk is tilted the direct, the correct way. I want to circle back to ETFs for a second. So I talked all about mutual funds up to this point. I want to talk about ETFs. ETFs are kind of like I don't know, they're the stepbrother of mutual funds and the first cousin of stocks. The reason I say that is they work like mutual funds. It's an investment company that pools your money with other people's money for broader diversification, but they trade like stocks. You can buy and sell them on an exchange. You're buying and selling from other investors, and they trade in the middle of the day. You know how much it's up or how much it's down in the middle of the day. Now, ETFs are babies when it comes to age, so mutual funds have been out 1924. Uh, the first ETF, which again stands for exchange traded fund, was only launched in 1993 by State Street Global Investors, and it was uh, the first one was called the Spider uh, S and P 500 fund. Most people know it by its nickname, which is or its ticker, which is SPY. Spy. It's still to this day the biggest uh, ETF in the world, and. It I, I want to say it changed the investing landscape more so even than the invention of the mutual fund. And the reason being is it made investing in ETFs, uh, investing in the market lower cost. So the SPY, I think it's like 0.07% to invest in so by the whole S&P 500 for 0.07%. Now, don't quote me on that. I'm just roughly what it costs. So ETFs work similar to mutual funds in the sense that they're investing in a broad basket of securities. It's not one stock, but they trade much more like individual stocks. Beer break. So the cool part about ETFs is that they tend to be a lot less expensive than mutual funds. So most of them are passive vehicles. There are some active ones. Most of them are passive vehicles which track an index, and they do it for a lower cost. So if you look at, Vanguard, for example, is one of the biggest, is probably the biggest mutual fund company in the world. And they have mutual funds and ETFs that invest in the exact same thing. And on most of those, the ETF version is less expensive and has no minimum. Whereas even, you know, the mutual fund, if it costs the same amount, you have to have a million dollars in it to pay that low expense ratio. So ETFs tend to cost less to invest in the same marketplaces. They have lower transaction costs. So an institutional mutual fund, you know, you could be paying. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, even higher than that uh, per transaction per trade. Now you're not paying that in your 401k, but on a brokerage account, you might. With an ETF, you know, there's a lot of providers out there that have $5 trades on ETF, So it's a little less expensive to buy. So less expensive to buy, lower internal expenses, which means better, you know, better returns, arguably, right? So when it comes to, you know, looking at the ETF mutual fund uh, landscape, I I use both personally. I like both personally. Uh, I I like I tend to drift more towards ETFs, particularly for individual investors or, you know, and do it yourself investors. I just think they're more cost effective. They're 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 more liquid depending on the ETF um, and, and they cost less. So they're just I think they're really easy to use vehicles, too. So a good strategy potentially for a lot of individual investors is to own a basket of several different ETFs that invest in different markets and uh that'll that'll build you a diversified portfolio at a relatively low cost. Um it, with that being said, I mean it's a little more complicated than just picking three or four ETFs, right? But you know, if you were to buy two or three ETFs and invest in, you know, US large cap and international and You know, maybe some small and maybe some emerging markets, you know, and you just bought it and left it alone for the next 50 years, you'd probably be all right. Um, Now, I think you should pay a little bit closer attention to it than, than not looking at it again for the next 30, 40, 50 years, but that's not a bad strategy at all. So, I just kind of want to re- recap a couple of these things. Is I'm not anti-active mutual funds. I, I'm skeptical on many, many, many active mutual funds. There is a lot. There are some good ones out there. Depending on sector, too. For instance, there's a lot of academic research that indicates active bond managers can do pretty well uh, compared to their benchmarks. But I think for the individual investor, they should lean towards passive vehicles because I think it's going to be very difficult for them to determine what is going to be a good performing active manager going forward or analyzing their past performance, which is not not super uh, great predictor anyways, right? Um, and when you're looking at a, your mutual fund and ETF portfolio, you might be looking at your your 401k, which is often a pretty short list. So, you know, there's a few, a few checkpoints that you should you know, be thinking about with that cost being one of them, and whether it's index, indexed, or passive or active, right? And if you have questions on that, feel free to you know reach out to the podcast, and you know I will try to get with you on giving you some some objectional advice there. When it comes to picking an advisor, and aligning yourself with their strategy on mutual funds and ETFs I think you have to listen to the story and the story has to make sense with what you can read and understand right so if it sounds too complicated to where you can explain it to my eight-year-old nephew then it's probably is probably too complicated to work so if I were explaining in you know an ETF to my eight-year-old nephew I'd simply say that there's a lot of companies out there and it's very hard to pick which ones are gonna do best right we we might like their products but man what if they sell their products for not not as much of a profit as other companies so what I'd like to do is own a little bit of all the companies and I found a nice little service that does that for us it owns a lot of a lot of every company right and it does it for a really low cost that's an ATF in, in little kid terms so I hope that makes sense. I know that the investing landscape can be can be confusing. That's where you know listening to this podcast and maybe others and reading some of the stuff I've written, which is on FSGMichigan.com. If you go to resources, there's a blog there, a lot of stuff on um, on investing in particular in retirement. Um, you got to you got to self educate a little bit, but you know as you start to learn more, I think that that you'll start to understand that some of these things really do make sense. Just you know, low-cost investing is probably a pretty good route for most do-it-yourself investors. And if you're using a financial advisor, make sure their story makes sense on why they're using active, more expensive funds if they are doing that, right? Uh, but that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Prosperity by the Pine. I am probably going to go ahead and do an episode on asset allocation, but I want to know if that's what you want to hear about as my listeners. So be sure to subscribe. Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. Uh, We are on Facebook. Like, follow, share the page, and cheers.